Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. Welcome back to the Tube Talk podcast. My name is Dan Carson. Joined as always by Mr. Rob Wilson. Dan, it's getting serious. We're into September. And that, for a lot of creators, is a busy time. We're on the slow wind-up to tentpole events, Halloween, Thanksgiving, football season starting, back to school, Christmas, the holidays. It's back to YouTube. It's time It's time for the grind. Let's do this. <laughs> tentpole events. If you're not planning your Halloween content right now, are you, are you making a mistake? Is that what you're saying? I just, I like once I've got uh, um, finished my education, because you know where, where I'm from, the education season was September to May, June, July, and I thought I didn't have to worry about that stress anymore. But now it feels, it really does feel like back to school at this time of year. You know, it's getting a little cooler. It's getting a little darker. You've had you've had time to relax during the summer, but now everybody's coming back indoors. Everybody's going to start watching TV, YouTube. For many creators, this is this is the beginning of crunch time, especially in a tech. I guess because I used to be a tech YouTuber, I was used to this time being quite important. I was going to ask this. I mean, you, there's a lot of tech to cover, so this is more of just like a, a funny question. If sure. you felt like you had to rely on holidays, maybe and maybe you did do this back in the day, yeah. what would you do for say Halloween as a tech channel? Nothing. Nothing. I wouldn't you... be interested in Halloween whatsoever. You uh, can't because... even think of a funny no. idea to <laughs> No, because for me personally, whenever I try to tie in a an event such as Halloween or Valentine's Day to something um like tech, it always felt far too forced. And I just wasn't able to do it. Um, but I think that's where I, I have limitations as a creator. Um, but at the same time, there would be so much tech being released at that time, especially the iPhone or one of the, the new Google devices, that there'd be so much to cover regardless. But I'm not saying that's true for every creator. Like craft content creators mm -hmm. would definitely be looking at those temple events and probably strategizing now, You know, even though we're six, seven weeks out, what they might be making for three or four weeks, you know, at the beginning of October when it the, that search term is really going to start to ramp up. Yeah, I was on. I was trying to think if I had to spitfire some ideas for different creators out there. What I would say is, any game you play, there's got to be some way as a gaming creator to bring Halloween into it, uh, even if it's a first-person shooter. Sometimes those games might run events you could do, or you can you can just create like. A, scariest headshots of 2021 i don't know uh if, if it's minecraft that's easy building games things where you can put your own spin on them you should you should definitely be planning that out baking channels if you if or food channels in general anything you can do to get pumpkins or you know halloween imagery into your recipes i mean there's so many things to do and even if it sounds kind of silly and you're not interested in the holiday just this is when we talk about getting in on trends, especially temple events. Just try and think outside the box a little bit and and include this in your content. You have, you know, a lot of major holidays coming up and you can start planning for those right now. And hey, it's always nice to have content kind of planned ahead too. You're probably gonna be spending a lot of time with family and friends, whether it's in person or digitally. So you might want that extra free time. So I'm just saying, start planning now. Um, we like to come up with uh, some YouTube news stories to, to talk about. Just, just just invent them out of the figments of our imagination. And boy, have we got a doozy yep. this week. We we invent these. So we tell you it's YouTube news, but we actually just make it up completely. No. <laughs> uh, I said come up with. I, I meant we like to look into YouTube news and share it with you. Uh, we, we're not manufacturing anything here. And uh, one of the things we're not manufacturing for sure is that YouTube has given a giant bag of money to two Twitch streamers to come to the platform and stream exclusively on YouTube. Uh, both Dr. Lupo and Tim the Tatman moved to YouTube gaming and they're doing their, their first live streams now around the time we're recording this one or this podcast. And this is, this is pretty crazy. This is a big deal. And I, the silence is says this, that you, you um, agree with me. 
No, no, I was sorry. Once you said a giant bag of money, I was I was thinking of how to um, play on that phrase. Uh, and for some weird reason, this is going to be a really obscure reference. Nobody's going to get this. But I used to listen to a poker podcast a decade ago where the host, Joe Stapleton, would say that um, I've been sent a giant basket of apology. A giant basket of apology kittens and so i was trying i don't know why that came into my head but i was thinking have those streamers who've now abandoned twitch just sent over a giant basket of apology kittens to say sorry for leaving twitch <laughs> i'm sorry dan my mind just went off in a random random direction i can't help you on this topic we said when we were planning i said dan this is your show you talk about twitch and I... dan you said you said don't say anything nasty about Twitch, so I think you're right because my my only experience of Twitch is playing video games with you lot when there was ten or fifteen people watching it, and I just said I'm done with this. I'm done with this platform. Let me go back to something that I kind of half know. Twitch is exclusively just about a live streaming platform. You can upload as a creator over there, but there's no there's no real library of video on demand content over on Twitch, whereas YouTube got its start doing that. But YouTube has this distinct advantage, you know, having started doing that and then transitioning to live streams, where now if you're somebody streaming on YouTube and you don't want to just stream and your audience lives in this one place, you have the option to do video on demand content. Like I've always loved the balance that YouTube gives us as creators if we want to include live streams to be able to do that. And it's not enough that YouTube has live streaming as an option. They've been building it up. Uh, one of the things we keep referring back to is clips. And you can use clips on anything. You can clip anything you want. But if you see a funny moment during the stream, that's kind of where it came from. Like Twitch has always had this feature. And now YouTube does as well, where you can take a segment of a video and clip a, a, up to a minute uh, and take that clip and now it's shareable. And you can go on social media and share it with everybody. Look at this amazing thing that my straight favorite streamer did. It's great. There's also uh, memberships now, which is similar to Twitch subscriptions. There's Super Chats, which is just the ability for people to give you money while you're live. And while you're live, there's a lot of engaging opportunities there to you know, thank your audience and, and things like that. So Twitch has been building up over the years, all or YouTube, I mean, has been building up over the years all of its different streaming elements. And the fact that they're able to get people to come from Twitch over to YouTube is is telling me that not only are they will if they're willing to give money not only are they not done building this up but these these streamers feel confident enough to leave behind their twitch audiences and come over to youtube and so regardless of what you think of twitch i'm just really excited about what this means for youtube because if you've been paying any attention at all uh over the last few years you know that there's there was kind of this war that happened all of the sudden where mixer went in which was a streaming platform that's no longer with us and and gave big bags of money to a couple of Twitch streamers over there, Ninja and Shroud, I believe. And then Mixer couldn't keep up. They 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 felt they faltered. YouTube at the same time had given some money to a, a few streamers to come over from Twitch onto their platform. And that was the last we heard about it. And now Mixer's long gone. No one's even thinking about this. And out of nowhere, YouTube pulls in these broadcasters. And they've already started, you know, getting their streams going. So do you think at this stage, Dan, YouTube is directly targeting Twitch and trying to, I guess, kneecap them, you know, taking away all of their best assets, uh, like asset stripping in one sense, the, the, the smelling blood? <laughs> I, I think so. I, I think they're smelling blood's a really good way to put it. I don't know how how deep this runs how vicious it is and uh i i just know that this week in particular was not great for twitch already uh they've been dealing with some other problems i don't want to get into it you can you know check out the news around early september 2021 if you're listening to this way later and you can see kind of the things they were dealing with but to to have these big names leave the platform at the same time had to have been salt in the wound <laughs> i can't imagine that went over well uh, so it's it's just I, I try not to focus on that because I I just love YouTube and as someone who does stream on the platform I've been really excited to see them not kind of launch a product and and I guess leave it you know they they could have they could have launched streaming 
had it working and said, cool, we want to invest more in the video side of things, but at least this is up and running. And no, they're so, continuing to innovate. So, Dan, what you're saying, the moral of the story is, if you're a short form creator, YouTube Shorts, don't bother with TikTok. If you're a live streamer, don't bother with Twitch, start live streaming on YouTube. Yes. That is what I'm saying. I, I think that YouTube is... You're right. I think YouTube recognizes itself as a major social platform. So we have the community tab for images and text posts and polls. <laughs> we have videos. We've always had videos. And now we have shorts to compete with TikTok or even not to compete with TikTok, to just appeal to creators who like making short form content. And then we have live streams. And so all these established creators don't have to, if they don't want to, they don't have to make a TikTok and make it supplemental to their YouTube channel. We know, we've known for a while that YouTube doesn't necessarily like when you link off platform. And now it's just one more, you know, shorts, for example, would be one more reason not to link off the platform. If you want to share this content with your audience, even if you make a separate shorts channel, you could say, by the way, everybody check out my shorts channel rather than saying, by the way, everybody check out my TikTok, get off of YouTube and go to TikTok. We've got some more tweets done. We got some Hashtag tweets. Hashtag talk. Uh, so I think what we're going to have to do from now on, instead of calling this person by their name, which begins with Scott, he will now and forever be known in the future as the Hoosh. <laughs> because he's just shouted us out because we keep saying his surname as such. So thank <laughs> you, the Hoosh. Who else have we got? I, I like the hoosh. And I think the hoosh is we, doing a lot of cool things on YouTube as well. We love the hoosh. We also have somebody else uh, who trolled you brilliantly. I was very happy to see this. Uh, just in case the vidIQ guys had any questions remaining, whether uh, light mode or dark mode was the best, some of my merch. And it is a, is a black shirt. And it says... <laughs> In the middle, dark mode always, and a little toggle button, like the ones you'd see on iPhones. It's just toggled on. And I need the shirt. Dark mode always. Impressive. Impressive. Uh, <laughs> now, I, I seem to remember that we gave a shout out to both The Hoosh and iCurveDev yes, uh, last week. So I think now we've at least guaranteed two very loyal listeners who are going to listen every week if they keep tweeting us because we'll continue to shout them out. So this is an open invite to anybody else who wants to dethrone these two people so that we'll shout them out instead. This is happening over Twitter, by the way, we should mention. We say hashtags, yeah. but those are like Indeed. all over the place. So yeah. we are referring to Twitter in this case, uh, at vidIQ and hashtag TubeTalk. Um, yeah, I also want to just give a quick shout out to Orlan Dave, who wrote a very nice email, but it's just a little too long uh, for us to read out. But we do appreciate the email. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for men mentioning that. I did not have that pulled up. But yes, thank you for your emails. Thank you for your tweets. And, uh, you know, we really appreciate it. So without further ado, we have a lot of episode to get into today. If you're somebody who has an interest in YouTube, and I imagine you do, you probably also have an interest in being productive and you probably have an interest in creators who managed to grow their channels to 10,000 subscribers in like three months. So enjoy. Rachel Howe, thank you so much for joining us on the Tube Talk podcast. How are you? Hi. Hi, Dan. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me. I'm great. I'm doing fine here. I'm actually really excited to be on this podcast. Oh, we are excited to have you, especially uh, you are in Malaysia. And so it's very, very early in the morning for you right now. <laughs> yeah, we, this this is literally a global podcast. It is nine PM for me, Dan. It is what like four PM for me right now, yeah. and then four AM. AM. Yes, that's right. Rachel. <laughs> so from all across the world, hello to all of you listeners. <laughs> but yes, thank you so much for uh, accommodating us. You definitely got the short end of the stick. I think I'm not. I'm not a morning person like that. I like getting up in the morning, but like. You know, maybe maybe eleven in the morning. Uh, you know, four four is pretty early. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not used to this, but I mean, I guess this is part and parcel of dedication and commitment when you're starting out uh, as a creator online. So, yeah. Well, well, here's a big question. Your channel banner says ten x your productivity. So after this um, conversation, are you going straight back to bed or are you going to go straight to work? 
I I'm thinking of editing my video after this there you conversation. Go. <laughs> right answer, right answer. <laughs> Uh, so let's tell everybody a little bit about your your channel real quick. Uh, just for yeah. anyone who may not know, uh, who are you and what do you do on YouTube? Um, I'm Rachel, and actually I am a designer, product designer to be ex to be exact. And what I do is I actually talk about design, productivity, and solopreneurship on YouTube. So you've been at YouTube now. It looks like just by looking at the channel page. You've been on YouTube for three months, and you have a handful of videos. But I, given that you've recently hit 10,000 subscribers, I'm kind of curious because there's not a ton of videos here. I would say, is it about 12 so far? I think it's about 15. I counted last night. <laughs> so 15 videos, 10,000 subscribers. What was the secret? Did you, did you have another start with this channel and you kind of relaunched it? Or do you just have like a lot of YouTube experience? <laughs> Oh, actually, um, to be honest, I, I had zero experience when I started out in YouTube. So the story was like um, back in May 20, I guess, um, Matt Devela, the, the YouTuber on minimalism, he mm -hmm. kind of released a course on YouTube. So without hesitation, I kind of just signed up. And because YouTube was part of something that I, I was thinking for a long, long time, and I'm actually an introvert. So this is not something that I feel like I could do or I could pull off. Being on camera, talking, is, it's not something that I'm really that good at. So um, I took the course and to my surprise, actually, the course is has been very different from what I expected. So it, it's a, it was about like great content and algorithms, like ignoring algorithms and um, just really focusing on producing quality over quantity. So that was something that kind of like got me into YouTube in the first place. And along with also my interest in sharing things to people. Yeah. You you mentioned the course taught you to ignore algorithms. And I think a lot of creators, especially ones starting out, would hear that and go, <laughs> what? You know, you don't ignore <laughs> the algorithm. It will hurt you. So what, in what ways did you kind of ignore the algorithm? Actually, when starting out, like people would want to make videos that are clickbaity, right? I mean, the popular um, way of ignoring the algorithm is having to focus on your content, um, focusing on the people who's watching instead of the, of the algorithm. And to produce a video based on things that you really, really are passionate about and not because of what is trending right now. So I do listen to the algorithm to a certain extent. Like I, I hear out for signals on what's trending, what is the keyword that I should include in my video titles and, and my description. Those are the things that I definitely have to listen to because that's a show of demand and intent for the same titles or the same topics that I'm going for, right? but I do not shape my video based on which YouTuber is popular or, you know, any black hat tactics to get people to your channel. I, I don't like that. When you say uh, black hat tactics, what comes to mind for me would be like sub for sub and things like that, right? People. Yes, exactly. Right. And, and as just, just as a quick PSA, that never works. Uh, oftentimes it, it, it actually just harms your channel, if not gets you pulled from the platform. So don't do that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so this is really interesting. So you, you recently hit 10,000 subscribers. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Uh, that's awesome. I, I think anyone out there would love to do that in the amount of time you've managed to do that. Uh, so what was the, how did you, cause your first video, I think at this time has like about 24,000 views. Is that correct? My first video? Yeah. The first video had around, um, if... If I'm not mistaken, it should be a hundred thousand views. I think that was the second video from what we can see on the channel. The first, the first video is eight ways to get started in UX and product design, which has 24,000 views. Oh yeah. That was the first video. Yes, you're right. <laughs> so you must've went into that with a, a lot of intent and I did watch this video. It, it was actually very helpful. If you are trying to learn UX design, and you've never approached the subject before, you managed to cover it in an eight minute video. And 
So essentially demonstrating a lot of value to a lot of people in a short amount of time. Why, why that video first? Yes. When I was starting out, I, I was thinking to myself, like, I don't want to wait until I have the perfect video or the perfect idea to start. Right. So the first video, like, instead of planning meticulously, I, I kind of like decided, you know what, I'm just going to do like, nobody has done a content on how do you get started on UX design for free? And when I was starting out, I was looking for free content, not paid content because of, of budget issues, right? So I noticed that there was like a gap in that content. And this is something that I wish I saw when I was starting out. So instead of researching, like, what's the best topic right now? What's trending or what, doing what other people are doing? I kind of like decided, okay, let's just come up with a video that talks about free content that a UX designer can can look for for resources and let's see how many ideas that comes out of it so at the end it became eight ways to get started <laughs> this episode of tube talk is brought to you by the vidIQ mobile app you can download it for free on the android or ios app stores and it's here to help you do things like keep track of your competition research your next video idea optimize videos you've already posted and more all on the go this is the perfect app to have literally in your back pocket while you're out and about and you find yourself with a few free extra minutes. Having the opportunity to sit down and optimize your latest video or research ideas for your upcoming video can be a game changer and save you a bunch of time as you work to create more YouTube content. Again, you can download the vidIQ mobile app for free on Android or iOS. Just search for vidIQ. Rachel, I want to ask you a question. Um about something you brought up a, a little earlier. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you said that your focus is on quality over quantity, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Dan and I have had a lot of discussions about this uh, during other <laughs> interviews. And you, you also just mentioned as well, then, that your first video, you didn't want to overthink it. You just wanted to, 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 to get into it. And your channel banner is also think less, create more. And that might sound like it's kind of in opposition to quality over quantity in the terms of, you know, just getting some content out, seeing what works on YouTube. So I guess my question to you is, mm -hmm. what does quality mean to you as a creator? Yes, uh, I really love that question, Rob. So thanks for, thanks for asking. What does quality mean to me, right? So there are a few things that I, I take into account when I'm creating my videos. One is being the length of a video. So I do not create a video just because I want to surpass a 10-minute mark, for example. I try to jam-pack everything into a short video if that saves my audience time. So that's one of the ways that I go over quality over quantity in terms of the duration of video. The other way is that, yes, I said think less, create more. That's because I did not want to overthink things. I want to focus on creating instead of planning. But at the same time, if you churn out content consistently just because you want to, just because you want to meet a goal of two uploads a month, one Instagram post a month, one Twitter thread a month, then you know your, con your content is going to cause fatigue in your audience as well if the content quality isn't there or if the value isn't enough for your audience. So that's what I mean by quality over quantity, actually. We, yeah, we have talked about that a lot. And uh, one of the things we, we tell creators when you're when you're just starting out is hey you know what it's okay to just post some videos try all kinds of stuff you know but you definitely want to break in there and get some get some stuff recorded get the get a feel for everything and uh yeah that was one of the reasons we wanted to have you on today is because we were so blown away by your first videos getting the views they got 24,000 views on the first one 119,000 currently on the second video and all Thanks. of these posted a few months ago and uh, from there, thousands of views, you know, you, it just set you up uh, for, for all of this success on YouTube. Uh, when, when, we, when we look at your channel from just a zoomed out point of view, we see a lot of different things that you're teaching people about productivity, about UX and design and things like that. And we've seen, we've actually talked to a lot of creators who give tutorials on different tools, right? So you could dedicate a whole channel to, I imagine, some of the tools that you use, uh, which we can get into in a little while. But you you manage to cover all these tools and you get consistent view counts. And I'm just wondering, what would you say? I can kind of see it just by looking at it, but to anyone who may not know, what do you what would you say is the underlying thing that ties everything together? Because it doesn't look like a niche down channel when you when you 
take a first glance, but what's the thing that kind of brings it all together for you? I think um, it kind of boils down to like, as a creator, what are the things that I can share with you to get better at design, whether you're a founder, a designer, or just someone who's just passionate about design, right? And along with that, like, besides design, I can share with you about productivity and other things that I find that are helpful to you that would help you make a living as a creator. And, you know, this is sort of like, I'm still trying to find my niche, to be honest. And I guess we all never settle for the, the, the best niche at the end of the day. So I try to still keep it authentic to what I'm passionate about because we probably are going to be making videos for a long, long time and might as well just make videos that we want to make. And I see a lot of channels, they are overly niche down. And one day they decided to switch into a different category and their subscribers just leave them. And this is something that I constantly have a fear about. Like, oh, if I don't talk about design tomorrow, will my subscribers leave me? And I hope that if I center my channel around a, a certain theme, for example, how might you, uh, how might I help you become a creator doing what you love through the things that I know or I'm good at in real life? And I hope that is something that um, overarching team that would help my subscribers. Yeah, absolutely. There's a there's so much value here. If you if you're someone who's trying to learn this skill set and all the things that come along with it, so it, it's it's really really interesting. It is what what I wanted to ask too is is YouTube the full time job? Because you did say you are a, a UX designer yourself. Uh, so is YouTube kind of the side hustle or is, is it all YouTube? It's a side hustle. It's going to be a side hustle for a while until I manage to get full-time income from it. So is this the ultimate goal to go full-time as a content creator? I think so. I guess mm -hmm. in order to be really focused and you know laser focused at, at what you do and to be really good at it is to eventually spend most of your time on it. Right now, I, I struggle because... I'm actually balancing a full-time job, my side hustles on, on basically freelancing for clients. I manage a few client projects actually. And I was also doing YouTube and because I'm so interested in solopreneurship. So this is something that I also am dabbling into in the weekends. That's I think three different major things you have going on yeah that's uh, why. plus 4 a.m podcast interviews to add into this mix <laughs> as well right so do you have any any quick tips how like just just getting into the productivity real quick because i'm sure a lot of creators out there no matter what it is they do on youtube would love to know how do you balance all of that how, how are you how are you managing the the full-time job client work and a youtube channel i try really best to be at my best efficiency and productivity levels at all times. Like if it means that I need to get enough sleep, I will get enough sleep. And as a matter of fact, actually, I, although I do not encourage this, but I don't really watch entertainment. I don't really like give myself much entertainment. So most of my time is dedicated to eating, sleeping and working. Is, like there's is there... no other way around this. This is because there's too many things that I'm doing right now. You need our vidIQ shirt that simply says "Eat, sleep, create, repeat." <laughs> uh, yes, that that does come to mind. I I'm just a little bit flabbergasted because I I do a lot of things. I have you know my own personal channel as a hobby. I do outside of this, you know, work I do for vidIQ, and I love TV. I love movies. I I don't think I have to make time for those things. I don't know. Is, do you think anybody could do this, or do you think it takes a certain kind of person to to dedicate that much time to to everything you're doing? I honestly think that I'm only the weird one here, like in, <laughs> but even among my friends and and family. So I'm the kind that if I had a choice, I would rather spend my time in my room on my laptop, just going down a rabbit hole of random things that I'm interested about. And it is so fascinating to me to learn new things, to dabble in some like VC or entrepreneur's Twitter feed, actually, than to watch two hours of movie that is an Oscar-winning movie. <laughs> but that's just me. Right. No, I, I totally understand. The achievements, I mean, speak for themselves, to be sure. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but that is awesome. Let, let's talk a little bit about, uh, just going back to YouTube itself, some of the skills that you feel 
every YouTube creator should should know or or learn right away? One of the things that I really encourage people to do is to be resourceful, no matter what you're doing. So this applies whether you are doing YouTube or not. But I think be resourceful because there oftentimes there are things that your the course that you're taking or the tool that you're using is not going to give you everything that you should know. And how do you solve that? Is know how to find your resources, whether it's by googling, by YouTubing, by learning how to use the Twitter advanced search to find something that nobody else could find. So that's something that I, I think it's really important. I think Dan will agree with me. Um, if we were to do a channel audit, which we we often do um, on our live streams, we would look at your channel and you know from the very first thumbnail and looking at your very first videos where your your lighting's of a high standard, you're using different angles, B-roll, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You're operating at a at a level where you would expect the channel to have thousands of subscribers and millions of views. So I presume you've self-taught yourself how to run a YouTube channel before may even making your first video, which is incredible. How did you do that? First of all, I'm deeply humbled to hear that because looking back at my first video, I didn't feel like it was worth even a thousand views, to be honest. Like looking at my uh, looking back at myself, I'm I'm pretty harsh on on my content quality. But in terms of how do I do that one step at a time? What I told myself even when I was starting out is that I wish my next video is one percent better than my last video. And if I use this principle for every single video, that means I'll start getting better and better and better without beating myself up to it. So what I do right now is I just focus on the next video. My next video should be a little bit better, whether it's a content quality, production quality, or just my personality, just to be more comfortable on camera. And that's how I measure my success, I guess. All right, let's move on to the second video. Don't worry, folks, I'm not going to go through every single video on Rachel's channel. But there's some really <laughs> interesting things in this second video, which is the one that kind of went, I guess it was your first viral moment, 100,000 views. And the title of it is how I became a UI UX designer in three months. So there's already that intrigue there of how you did it in such a short space of time. But typically, these types of how I got a software job videos can be quite dry and dull. And, you know, it's just somebody sat in front of a camera and just almost reading off a script of what they did to get in there. And it's usually 10 minutes long. Yours is five minutes long. And it starts with you're not good enough, your dreams are too big, you need a degree. So you're really trying to pitch the video to the emotion of those watching who are maybe sharing in, you know, that shared theme of a struggle to attain something that they want to achieve. I'm very curious as to how you were able to decide on that you were going to pitch on the human emotion as much as, you know, the... The, the dryness of just how to get this job. First of all, like when I was thinking about this video, I was like sitting to myself and wonder like, you know, besides teaching people or sharing what I know, what is something else that could motivate people so far in my life that I could at least produce? And I wonder like, you know, if I die tomorrow, at least I want something to inspire someone, to motivate someone. And that was a video that I feel like maybe that's the video that could change someone's life. And I better have put in more effort and care into producing this video because I think it's very intimate to my story, like how far I've come. And to me, it felt like something that I needed to make no matter what. The, the messaging of the video was, it was like a template for how a successful video pitches not only to the, you know, the keyword, you know, I'm going to search for how to be a UX designer, but the content, it was very much on the the emotional pull and draw of the viewer. So that there's that shared conversation, which I thought you you encapsulated perfectly in both the title and the thumbnail and like the first 10 seconds of the video. Right. Why I decided to go the emotional route was also because that was how I genuinely feel about my story. Right. Yeah. And it has been an emotional journey throughout the years when I was trying out on my own. And looking back at this video, sometimes I still feel like I'm really happy that I had done it that way 
And it's not to say that I use emotional draw, pull and draw to attract people to watch the video, but it's generally what I really feel inside. And I think what's great about YouTube is if you're willing to be vulnerable and authentic about yourself online, people will listen. Since I am showing my story in the form of a video, people can see my expressions, my emotions, my tonality, and the way I edit it was also exactly how I wanted it to be. I wouldn't say this is like the best editing that I could pull off because I am still learning Final Cut Pro when I was starting out. I tried my best to replicate what I had in my mind into a five-minute video. Yeah, I think I will just summarize this by saying that I think the title is the title of the video is very searchable. But as you say, really blending your personal story and journey into this common searchable title is what makes the video really powerful. And uh, when I was watching it, you, you know, the pinned comments was somebody saying, I was in the middle of a lot of overthinking and doubts. I needed this. Thanks a lot. So, the, you know, there's that actual personal connection. And then when we go back to the concept of I'm not really thinking as much about the algorithm as I am thinking about the human connection. I think that, again, perfectly illustrates and demonstrates it. Thank you. I think you summed it up really perfectly. One of the things on your channel, because uh, this is what we do, we, we dissect people's channels. Uh, in your about section, you you mentioned the creator economy, uh, which which fits you know right into everything you're, you're teaching on your channel. Uh, I, I'm just kind of curious, where do you see? Because we kind of know everything's booming right now. Where do you see the creator economy in like five years? I believe that in five years, every single person will be a creator. Really, one way or one way or another. Yeah, mm. one way or another. So, in a form of a creator who creates videos, who is an influencer somewhere in their little circle, in their little niche. I believe that most of us will be working from anywhere in the world. We are not limited to a location. We are not limited to a degree or our skill set. So I guess that's where I pretty much see the creator economy going. And I think the pandemic just speed this up. That's really interesting. So when when you say you, you think every person's a creator, I'm, I'm guessing you probably imagine this being beyond YouTube. You know, people will find their place on the internet where they can create yes that's right that i i never really considered that i definitely agree with the notion that a lot of us will be working from remote locations we're already kind of seeing that and i don't know if that ever necessarily changes now i think it only gets more and more <laughs> remote which i'm personally okay with you know i'm I'm okay with that then i want to i want to talk about youtube shorts for a second then first of all do you have any experience with it but secondly do you think what was that one of the reasons you say that that you say everyone could end up being a creator. I think what I feel about YouTube shorts is I am not a fan of it. And I think (laughs) this is something that I don't see myself doing in the short term, unless there is a direct way of benefiting my subscribers on watching a YouTube short. So this is also why I don't really dabble into TikTok or Instagram reels actually. So yeah. And in terms of the creative economy, People around me started creating stuff, like whether it's a cooking channel, book reviews, movie reviews. One way or another, I feel like everyone is itching to create. And deep down, it's buried in in all of us. And it's just society and our jobs kind of tie us down into this thing that we should do. And the moment you take this away from people, like allowing them to work from home and having more free time for themselves, people start to explore their creative side more and that is why i feel like the creative economy is really booming and in five years maybe people around us are creative somehow because i i felt like when youtube shorts came out that enabled so many more people you know even even if you don't like it you know it's 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 not a tool that youtubers have to use because it's there but it's an option you can definitely make use of it and you have tiktok and, and these newer platforms these short the short form video It makes it, I've thought for a while now, so much more accessible. And when I think about people in my life who I can't even imagine going out and buying a camera or even editing a video, I think about it and I'm like, well, you know what they could do though. They all have phones and they, they could find something to point their phone at and, and make content out of. And, and so when you, when you think about it like that, it's not an outlandish thing to imagine everybody on some level is creating. Yeah. I agree with you then. So YouTube Shorts is great for content creators who have content that could be entertaining or short form. 
And it really is a matter of how you can express yourself in that 15 to 30 seconds. So I think it's a power of accessibility that YouTube has created for everyone here. And the reason why I don't use it on my channel is simply because I struggle to find a way to condense everything in 15 to 30 seconds to my subscribers. I don't think this is enough for someone to get the point. Maybe it should be a two-minute video instead for me. So I guess that depends on what kind of content that you're creating. Let's talk a little bit about the way you, you are making your content. Obviously not YouTube Shorts, but what are your favorite YouTube tools and what are the ones that are most essential, I guess? Maybe if there's anything you use that you think people might find helpful that they don't need. And then you, you mentioned Final Cut. I'd be curious to know the things you use to actually you produce your, your content. As somebody who is, you, you admitted coming into YouTube, you didn't, you didn't have any experience prior to this channel. Yeah, in terms of YouTube tools, I use a li very little amount of tools. Actually, I don't think I use any tools. I used vidIQ, to be honest. I do use it. Oh, thank you. But I, <laughs> thanks. I only use the tools when I need to think of thumbnail or title ideas or when I need to research for keywords that are trending right now. But I find myself relying on the tool too much sometimes. Like I would feel like, oh, because this vidIQ result tells me that I should make this keyword. And then I kind of like limit myself into a bubble that I should make this video. But at the same time, I wanted to take a step back and ask myself, what is the content that I want to make? What is, if I had the freedom to do anything I want and people would watch, which I actually have right now, and I'm really thankful for that, then what is the content that I would be excited to make? Because no matter what content you put out, people can tell whether you are passionate about it or not. People can tell one, like in one second in the video, whether you're just doing it for the sake of doing it or whether you really have something to tell. As a uh, UX UI designer, has there been any direct transferable skills to being a content creator? For example, I'm thinking as a, as a UI designer, you like to keep things as simple as possible, which is translated into thumbnails that are relatively simple. A lot of creators make the mistake of having very complicated thumbnails when they first start out because they don't understand that they're seen at a very small size. So are there any other UI skills that you're taking directly into content making? Well, first of all, UI skills, definitely. Like design skills help you make better thumbnails, thumbnails yep. that, that catch people's eyes. And this is like a topic on itself, right? Thumbnails. Sure. But I think in a, on a general level, what I feel like I translated in my work is the attention to user experience. So what I mean by that is when I create my videos, I think about what the audience will be doing yep. and how will my video complement their daily lifestyle. So for example, if this video is about how you craft your case study, I will lay out all the points clearly on the video itself. And I even have like this IG story kind of loading bar on the top or on the side to indicate that once you're done with this tip, there's going to be a next tip and the next. So it helps with retention, which is the algorithm. But at the end of the day, people know that, oh, okay, you're done talking about this tip and people are impatient to sit 10 minutes to listen to one tip and going on about it. So I try to make myself um, pretty concise in my videos by showing them I am not going to be long-winded. I'm not going to waste your time. This is what is to be expected next. And also uh, in one of my videos where I talk about how you can create your own resume, besides the tips on how to create a good resume, I also leave them with a template to bring back. So this is like the entire user experience I'm talking about here. Yeah. And I intend to bring it to the next level, but I'm still thinking how. Speaking of the, uh, the next level, I I'd be curious, uh, you... Obviously, the, the channel, when you just consider the amount of videos, is pretty young. But where do you see the future of your of your channel? Maybe, I, I don't know why I always do this with these two-part questions. I'm sorry, but I, <laughs> I keep thinking of these two-part questions. Maybe, what, what, what are the next, like, 10 videos like? And then what does your channel look like a year from now? I'm glad you asked, then. I don't know whether do you guys have heard of Chloe Ting. Uh, I have not. Okay, so Chloe Ting is a fitness YouTuber who has, I think, 2 million subscribers. But besides the point, I have felt like her channel is something that people will keep going back and watch from time to time 
whether it's to be better at fitness, following a routine or a program. And she does it all for free. So I think to myself, like, you know, what is the channel that I wish existed when I was starting out in design or starting out as a creator in general to be productive and to learn about making a living online? So definitely I'm going to still explore my passion moving forward. Five years from now or 10 videos from now, I am starting to create library of videos where people could come back and learn or a series of videos like tailored to people's end goal. For example, how can I learn Webflow development to publish my own site, right? And there will be a series of videos on that for free. And if you want to learn more, then I would probably come up with some paid products or something like that. But right now at the moment, I'm still thinking of free resources available for people to just help people out a little bit because that's what I wanted when I was starting out. How would you describe your community uh, right now, Rachel? Because again, just taking a broad overview of the channel, it feels like the content is around about half of it is UX, UI content. So I presume that you're getting interest from that community, but also a broader scale productivity, solopreneurship, as you've said. Um, where do you think the, the balance is for your channel? I think the people who watch my videos are people who are creators at heart and they probably are passionate about design. And yeah. right now, the people, the majority of audience that's watching my channel are people who needs a job in UI UX design and they don't know how to get there. Mm -hmm. So that is why I guess creates demand for the videos that I make right now because yeah. there are a lot of videos aimed at advanced designers who people who are already familiar with what they're doing and they just want to get better at it. But there are not enough videos catering to people who are starting out, who have zero clue on what they should do next. Because UX design is something that there is no fixed curriculum to start because there are so many things that you can learn in UX design. And until now, I struggle to come up with a step-by-step -step process because there's just too much to learn. You, you never stop learning in, in that industry. So this is, I guess, why I create my videos in the first place with the beginner in mind. I, I'm really curious as well, uh, if you do know this, um, where is um, the majority of your audience coming from right now? Because uh, you are a female creator in Malaysia, but is that where most of your audience is coming from? Or is it from the US? Uh, is it from Europe? I'm, I'm really curious to know that. Right now I'm looking at my analytics and it says that 13% of my audience is from US, 13% right. is from India, and the rest of them are from Indonesia, Malaysia, Vietnam, and other Southeast Asia countries. So, so a good spread and mix of audience already, which is, is fantastic. Very much a global uh, channel. I've never actually thought that my channel would blow up, actually. I would say just from my own observations is, you you may have found you may have been the perfect person to to fill a void on youtube where there were not enough people talking about these topics you know in in, in the ways that that spoke to them you know i don't know if you would agree yeah. but i i think you you're on to something i think you found an underserved community on youtube mm -hmm. thank you i think what i heard from the audience they've been telling me even on YouTube comments or emails or DMs on Instagram is that they find that the way I explain things in a concise manner is helpful to them, which I never came across because I was always so worried about my personality of being an introvert that would not be entertaining to people watching it. And I realized that actually, if people want to learn something, they don't care about your personality. They need you to deliver the message or the the learnings in a concise manner that a beginner can take action right after they close your video. So when I'm teaching something to the audience or I'm trying to express something, I try to be really clear. And in that way, I also learn because what, by learning how to teach, you actually learn, no, sorry, you actually learn more than you teach. I can definitely see that. I, I think just being in the YouTube education space, there's there's always that kind of give and take. And sometimes the audience doesn't even realize that they end up teaching you uh, quite often. 
I, I want to just ask, uh, this is my final question. Why YouTube over other places you, you probably could have made this content? You, I, I would think of like LinkedIn or something like that. A lot of people share stuff like this on LinkedIn. Why, why did you choose YouTube? It was actually an obvious choice for me because first of all, I wanted to make long form content because some content is just delivers to your audience or resonates with your audience better if it's long form. And I feel like YouTube rewards people who make quality content, whether it's through monetization and also the YouTube algorithm is something that I'm fascinated about because it recommends relevant content to people rather than what's new, what's trending, but it tells me what is suitable or what I would like. And the people on YouTube, they create quality content as well. So I feel like there is something about YouTube that resonates with me. And I think I'm glad that I started on YouTube because if I haven't, I would still be wondering like, what should I be doing and things like that. So at least I found a way to help people on a global scale. And the thing about YouTube is also there is no limit to what you can create. I see people having multiple channels and a different channel caters to different use cases. So maybe that's something that I would explore in future. But in the meantime, the channel that's bringing me the most traffic is YouTube. And if I were to launch a paid product in future and stuff, YouTube is something that has been really helpful to me. And without that, I would still be struggling to find an audience somewhere else. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for uh, joining us for Tube Talk. It's been awesome getting to know you. It's been awesome to see your channel and the progress it's made. Again, congrats on 10,000 subscribers. Thank uh, you. If anyone wants to learn more about you and uh, your teachings, where, where can they find you? You can find me on YouTube. Um, my channel name is Rachel Howe. You can also look for me on Twitter. So my Twitter handle is R-A-C-H-E-L-H-X-W. Rachel, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really grateful. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk, brought to you by vidIQ. Head over to vidIQ.com slash Tube Talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.